Welcome to Saul Searching, the Saul Recruitment Podcast, where we tackle all sorts of great topics in the areas of recruitment, job searching, mindset, technology, marketing, culture, and lots more. It's amazing what you'll pick up. Thanks for joining me. Welcome back, everybody. Another fantastic episode of Saul Searching, the Saul Recruitment Podcast. I've got a fantastic show today. I am extremely excited. Jack Parsons is here all the way from the UK. How are you doing, Jack? I'm really good, thank you. And it's uh, early morning, early evening for you. And yes, uh, yes I'm, I'm in a really good, content place in terms of my health, my mental health, and just my surrounding, which is always important, especially when you're in the world of recruitment or trying to get people into jobs. It can be very stressful. It can be stressful and manic and full of activity. Absolutely. (laughs) But uh, absolutely, I'm happy to hear that. And for everybody out there, the topic of today is a really interesting one. Don't blame them, train them how to hire diverse young people. So Jack is an award-winning young entrepreneur, public speaker, and subject expert on youth, and is known as the UK's Chief Youth Officer. Jack's been honoured over the last three years, including Young Digital Leader of the Year, the 100 Faces of a Vibrant Economy, Most Connected Young Entrepreneur, 50 Top Kindest Leaders, and Top 10 UK Young Entrepreneurs to Watch. Wow. Jack is currently the CEO of the Youth Group, which is building the world's largest, most connected marketplace and community for young people with one aim, to help improve the odds for young people across the world to achieve their full potential in work. On top of running the Youth Group, he advises a number of organizations and figureheads. So Jack, welcome again to the show. Really excited to have a chat today and dive into all this content. And, uh, you know, I've been following him for ages and I think it's going to be a fantastic discussion. Oh, thank you. I, I thought you was going to say on top of that, he drinks a lot of English breakfast tea, which is also true. <laughs> He's English. I mean, are there many English people that don't drink English breakfast tea? Oh, you, you get a few. You get a few. It's, cause, it's because they've been open to the world. And when they come across the world, um, especially Australia, they, they, they say sod the English breakfast tea and they're all about the coffee. Yeah, well, they get more uh, adventurous with their tea. There's so many tea they do. as well. But uh, mate, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your backstory. Um, you know, tell us a bit more about how you got into this field in the first place. What drives you? What makes you so passionate about this particular topic, which is a very important one. But I'd love to hear a bit more about your story. I believe what I do today has so much to do on how I grew up and where I grew up I grew up in a council estate my mum was an alcoholic she was a violent alcoholic and life was tough I become the carer at the age of five wow little did I know though at the age of five I was negotiating the phone bill so she could keep the phone bill going in because she spent all of her benefit money the government is money that you get from the government on alcohol And I just loved picking up the phone and speaking to someone. And I think that's really important in recruitment is picking up the phone and speaking. So I didn't know at the time that actually maybe this would become a job that I would do in the, in the future. (laughs) So 
home life was very, very difficult. Borderline abusive, a borderline unstable and mentally straining. And I used to try and get away from that by going to school. But I was bullied in school until I was 13 years old. And the reason why the bullying stopped is because I was old enough to take out a paper round, which funded my judo lessons. Oh, wow. And my judo lessons, I went into this judo club and I thought I was going to get bullied there. And I thought it's just going to be the same. But in sports, they teach you a certain way. Yeah. It's a bit like it's a bit like the recruitment industry. They stick together and there's a, there's a, there's a rule, isn't there? And there's a a sense of, yeah, there is. And no one bullied me. I paid my, I paid my 15 quid. It was actually 13 quid to get into that judo, just like everyone else, everyone else who went there, their parents were paying, but I was paying out of this paper round and I become a black belt in judo. Well done. How long did that take? That took six months. Six months to become a black belt in judo. My God. And it's because it became part of my life and I immersed myself in change. I immersed myself in trying to better my life. And when you have nothing, well, I went three nights a week without dinner. Hmm. You have a sense of drive, a sense of purpose, a sense of energy to make a difference. And and I've always said to myself, I would never let anyone, I, and I don't want any young person to ever feel like I felt like growing up, mm-hmm. lonely, unloved, right. lost, very uneducated. And the opportunity to go down the pathways that we see our youth go down, mm-hmm. that we don't want them to go down. Did you, were you ever tempted? Were you like uh, on the margins of, you know, going down the wrong track at some point? I was always introduced because the environment you put yourself in Mm -hmm. is the environment you become. And And that environment was not a nice environment. It was violent. It was drugs. It was alcohol. It was gangs. But when you see it all and then you get a glimpse of this thing, which is not real, but at the time I believed it was real called normal Mm -hmm. and hardworking people. Yeah. You make a choice. And I believe everyone has choices. Yeah. You choose whether you turn up to the interview. You choose to apply for the job. Yep. Everything is a choice. Definitely. And I, in that moment, I had a choice. And that choice was I want to be classed as a hardworking human. Nice. And that's where it all started. And I had no idea. I was really, really, really uneducated. I had no idea the world of work. I didn't know what it meant. But I was curious. I was ambitious. I was 
wanting to walk the extra mile to make a difference, to prove that I deserve to be in the room wow. and be given the opportunity. And where do you think that came from? That was just a natural um, personality trait that you had, or did you have influences, or did you read, or were you? It's it's a little. Yeah, I think it's a little bit chalk and cheese because you see the cheese and you see the chalk <laughs> and uh, let's not put them into which one's the cheese and which one's the chalk. <laughs> but my mum didn't work. She was lazy. Yeah. She drunk all day. Mm. We had no money and she was violent, and aggressive. My dad, who didn't, we, we, I didn't live with my dad to start with growing up until I was at least 15 he was, he's hardworking, he's kind, he's quiet, and it's chalk and cheese. Yeah. And you see the two playing fields, yeah. and I was always happier. Not happy, happier nice. when I was with my dad. I like it, yeah. Wow. Did you have any uh, brothers or sisters? Yes, I've got uh, a brother and a sister, and um, older, and... They both left home at early ages and went into the world of work. And that's what you have to do. You have to find yourself a job and you have to pick yourself up and you have to figure it all out. And sometimes you don't figure it out until you're 30. Sometimes you don't figure it out ever. But work out, figure it out, earn some money, do everything by the book and be a good citizen. And so did you have a few jobs or did what were you doing before you started the youth group? How did that come about? So a lot of a lot of people listening will say, Darren will say, I fell into recruitment. Yep. <laughs> Seems like the uh the common theme with recruiters these days. Or yeah. Do you know what? I think recruitment fell into me. Hmm. Because it gave me the start. It gave me hope. It gave me inspiration. And I started an apprenticeship okay. and I went to work for an agency on a dual desk, perm and temp, temp, putting teachers into jobs. And that's where it all started. And I had no idea. Was I, was I, I was I the was I a smart recruiter? Absolutely not. Was I a good recruiter? No. But I got the job done and I and the job you do, I think, is twofold. I think one, it's really meaningfully help candidates get into work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because you're dealing with people's lives. Absolutely. If you get it right overnight, it changes your life. Yeah. yeah. And, it's and the life you should be able to do that. Absolutely. And the lives you're changing are those of the candidates. And secondly, people get into recruitment. It's a sales role. And let's just put it really bluntly. You have a, you have a smaller basic and it gives you the potential earning to do what you need to do. And not just for you, but for the organization, they're in the business of making money. 
and you have to bill you have to understand that and you have to take emotion out of it and realize put all your emotion and energy into the candidate side but when it comes to billing you have to be focused and i was billing a million quid a year for the organization i did in the end after being there for three years oh my god and i had all this money and you get 10 percent after a threshold and what do you do with that money? And I saved. And because I had, in my opinion, £100,000 was a lot of money at the age of 20 to be having each year. And I saved. And I didn't really understand what I wanted to do with it. And that's when I started my first business. And that's where it all started. That's how I got into recruitment. And I worked hard. I put my head down. I wasn't the loudest. I was quiet. I was observed. I had good coaches, senior consultants and managers who have been in the field for a long time. Mentoring me. Lots of good training. Lots of good training. Uh, Don't be scared of the phone. Pick it up. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember that on my first week, I had a manager that was a bit disruptive in a good way. And he showed me how to basically text a candidate. And he said, I said, how many candidates can you, can I send? He said, as many as you want (laughs) and ask for forgiveness later. So I (laughs) sent, I literally sent the whole of the educational database a text one morning oh my god <laughs> which actually was the company's limit oh rotor for wow. three months <laughs> and the phones and we was looking for us we was looking for a number of temp rolls and i think it was about 300 temp rolls that we were trying to fill in a period of an hour wow. and the phones kept ringing and ringing and ringing And my manager said, just sit back. I was like, what do you mean? We've got work to do. He said, sit back. He said, listen. And in the education department, there must have been about 70 consultants. In the the whole business had about 400. He said, look, right now, those 70 consultants are working for you. Because there was a policy where you, whoever, if the phone rung on your desk, you had to pick it up uh-huh. and it was done on a bounce system. Right. So if and you they're all taking, up, someone else picked it up. They picked it up. But when you pick it up, you can't take a message. You have to fet that candidate, uh-huh. whoever you are. Right. And he said, look, have you seen what you just done? You've just worked <laughs> smarter. You've now got some of the toppest billers in the education department fetting a candidate for you and in that moment i realized the importance of bringing people with you being a team player even though it's competitive being a team player you can't govern alone very true and if i was nice which i was to all those individuals they're going to fit the candidate the proper way. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to send it over. They're not going to take a call and be lazy and say, oh, sod that little rascal and put the <laughs> phone down. And to me, that really gave me my first, first experience on how you have to be part of a team, no matter how good you get, no matter who you are, 
because it will serve you in the long term. Lovely. And just to, just to take one step back, how did you get that role? Was, did you answer an ad? Did someone you know work there? How did that come about? I went to an assessment day. All right. And I turned up and there was all these grads and I am not from, I don't have a degree. And all these grads applying and they put you into different rooms and you basically perform mm-hmm. you sell and they, they mark you. Yep, yep, yep. At the end of that day, the rooms are split into two. Mm-hmm. Yes. And no. Right. I was in the no room. Wow. I was two points off. Oh, and that hurt me because I really liked this organization. It wasn't recruitment. It was this company. There was something about it from looking at the videos online and looking at the websites. Right. So I went away and within 24 hours, I wrote to the CEO of the Academy mm. and said, I'm using the proper channels. I'm not passed by in you, but I'd love this message to get in front of the right people to say i really really expected everyone's time i enjoyed meeting all the team i will work for nothing for three months wow i love it within three hours the ceo of the company the recruitment company that i went on to work for for three years called me in wow and she had one question Why should we hire you? So I said, there's not many reasons why you should hire me, but let me explain all the reasons why you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. I have no experience. I don't know what recruitment is. I don't have a degree. And I listed every single barrier that maybe will be going through her or her team's mind. And she said, you're hired. I love it. And that was life-changing. Amazing. So, so you, an opportunity can really make an individual. But also, and I'm not, my, my advice is not if you, if you get rejected. I'm a big believer rejection is redirection. Yep, very true. So true. And the redirection in going through that all audition and going through that academy and performing, which is a bit like a, a performing monkey sometimes in those editions, trying to sell you, trying to sell yourself and how you work in the team. And yeah. it's a little bit kind of that environment, which I'm I'm not really a fan of. I believe that I become unique. Yeah. Because I was the first one in that co op to have a one-to-one meeting with the CEO. Wow, amazing. I'm the first one in that co-op who got rejected and fought back and said, you've rejected me, but I'm going to give it one more shot. And I didn't give up, which showed resilience. Yeah, that alone is, a, is an incredible trait of a recruiter, which they recognized. Yeah, you need to be Absolutely. able to be tenacious. Funny, the funny thing is that recruitment agency is now a partner of the youth group. I love it. Isn't that great? You go on that, you go on that recruitment's website 
and you type it in www.morganhunt.com yep. and you go through to partners and you'll see the youth group logo. Amazing. Well, Have things turn around. Yep, the world is full circle. And so how long were you there working before you started the youth group? So I was three years there. Three years there, yeah. And then I left there and I started my first business uh, before youth group, which was a still in recruitment. And it was a technology business that had an algorithm that matched young people without any experience to a job. And we grew that organization. We raised millions of pounds. We went the kind of investment route Uh and we put that organization to 8 million in 18 months. Incredible. And Let's just take one step back because you already said something that's going to fuel the rest of this conversation. You mean straight away, you went to work in the field of helping young people. Is that because of your own journey or was, what, was, what, why were you so passionate about that? Three things. Hmm. It stemmed from my own journey. So I personally, yeah, there's a saying, don't fall in love with the solution, but fall in love with the problem. Nice. Yep. Too many founders fall in love with this, their solution. Your solution will be dated in two years. Yep. True, true. Yep. The problem, you might make a dent in the problem, but the problem might get bigger, yep. but the problem's still there. So fall in love with the problem. So like the that. problem of young people trying to get employment, what I didn't mention before I went to work for that agency, mm-hmm. I applied for over 900 roles wow. and got a rejection each time. My God. Yep. That's tough. Yep. So I'm, I made it sound easy because you forget. Yeah. But I, I always remember that no, no, no. I was out of employment for at least six months before, after leaving school, before getting a job. That's Hence right. why being determined to say, no, I'm going to write in. Nice. Yep. Good. Amazing. So for me, young people, one was my personal background. Two, I was dealing with education, educate educators and the education system from the outside now looking in. Mm-hmm. And I was hearing the challenges the teachers were finding. I even went down and as part of a recruiter, I gave CV advice to youth. And when when you're putting teachers into jobs, so I really immersed myself into the community and I call it community sense, understand the community that you're looking after. And if you don't understand them, you don't get them, how can you serve them and how can you get them into jobs? Yeah. If you don't know what they, they spend their money on, how do you understand them really? And that, that's where I think recruiters need to really immerse themselves into that industry and what they're doing. Definitely. So I, I was seeing all these pain points from the young people in the edge, now looking in, inside out rather than from the inside, uh, from the outside in, yeah. uh, sorry, outside in rather than the inside out. And then, and then thirdly, we had young people come into the agency and just not be work ready mm-hmm. as recruiters no resilience no confidence no get up and go calling in uh, uh, be not even 
going sick and not even calling in and saying yeah. sorry. So there's all these issues that corporates have when it comes to young people to just get them into work, which then puts all young people at disadvantage because yeah, corporates go, well, I haven't got time to train. I haven't got time to do this. So I may as well not do it. Yeah. When actually, if you reframe it, and I know we'll get onto that, mm. you can really, really build a superstar and superstars. And you know what? Some young people that come into your organization, they never become superstars, but they do a job that you need. So that's where it was, is those three things. My upbringing, immersing myself into the, the education system from the outside, yep. and three, seeing a number of young people come into the corporate world and fail miserably. Yeah, not really ready. They're not really ready. They don't they have the toolkit yet. They, they just weren't ready yep. for work. Yep. And that makes me so upset because loads of young people have so much to give. Now, I'm a realist as well. I understand there's some lazy young people, yeah. <laughs> and, and they some need to be... entitled young people as well. There's, there's entitled... Like there entitled old people. We all have those same issues. Absolutely, and I'm a realist, and I, I've become a special advisor to the New Zealand government. Oh, wow. And I, yeah, and I, I go over there to help the Maori community and how we right. can get them to work. And I work right. with the empl employment minister over there. And they say, well, we have to boot, boot the young people off the couch and get them into work. <laughs> and there's some tongue in cheek to that. But if you're going to boot them off the couch, boot them into meaningful work exactly. that they understand. Exactly. Give them something yeah. they understand and they are passionate about and they can really enjoy and be proud of. And hopefully when you boot them, you boot them hard enough yeah. where the entitlement is stripped. Nice. Yep. So I'm a realist. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pro-youth. I'm a young person myself. We've put a lot of young people in work. We have 17% of the UK's youth in my community. Amazing. But I also am a realist and that there is barriers both sides. Sure, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. And so how are young people perceived? You've touched on it just earlier, but in general, how do you think young people are perceived nowadays in the workplace? There is definitely over the last five years, because I've been doing what I'm doing for five years, it has got a lot better. Hmm. And things are at the forefront. I'm debating whether that's because people and organizations are starting to understand it or it helps their ESG or the CSR, or their responsible business goals. I'm not too sure yet. <laughs> I'm still debating that. But the challenge is, is they're just, I don't believe we need to get young people work ready because Darren, if I came and work for you, I wouldn't be work ready. You have your different systems. How do you have to get into your time zones? You've got different clients. You like different ways of dealing with it. Oh. You're dealing, you, you're running your business in your way. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You've got a system that I've probably never used. And I'd have to, even though I, I am digital and I am a young digital leader, 
I would have to immerse myself in learning that C- CRM system or so how you period of adjustment to a new environment. Absolutely. Sure. So I believe that we make a mistake saying that we have to get young people work ready. Mm. What I believe we need to do is get young people work aware. Yes. And what I mean by that is we have to provide many, and this is not just organizations' jobs. This is not just parents' jobs. This is not just the education jobs. This is everyone's job to immerse and give young people the opportunity to experience the workplace on work experience as much as we can, mm-hmm. because we have to get them work aware. And when you be when a young person becomes work aware, not ready, because no, I don't believe any young person's work ready for your organization because the skills need to be taught. But when you get them work aware, they have community sense. And community sense is understanding how that organization wants you to behave, yeah. how it wants you to present it. So And then on top of community sense comes modern manners. And what I mean by modern manners, and this is what we touch base around the entitlement, because we're always on our phones and we like to argue with you through emojis and text and WhatsApps and TikTok and everything, we lose a sense of how to hold a proper conversation how to look someone in the eyes, how to say, so a young person will say, and I've been, look, I've done it. Yeah. When I was really uneducated and I didn't know anything about it and I weren't work aware already. Yep. Or yeah, the train was delayed. <laughs> oh yeah. This woman on the train, it was her <laughs> fault that I'm late. No, it's not. Yep. Yeah. And then say, sorry, f- sorry, I'm late. Why don't we reframe it where we say thanks for waiting? Hmm, I like that. Or when someone's coming out a lift, don't walk into the lift until they come out. They're coming out a smaller space than you. Very true. So we realized at the at the youth group that young people need modern manners. And we've seen a 29% increase from interview to actually getting a job. If we do the hour in- intervention for modern manners with this young person. Perfect. And I kind of like, I say the same thing. You know, it's, as you said, we can't get people ready in terms of their technical skills and their training and the systems but I think we can get people ready in terms of their mental outlook, their resilience, their personality, their drive, their um, confidence, all these things, their manners. Absolutely. So I think that's a really good point. It's, you know, when people work on themselves, who they are, the rest can come very, very quickly, as long as you do the work up front on yourself. And that's exactly but this is This is where I think the recruitment industry can play such a role for the future and yes this is a long-term investment and i i understand that everyone has milestones sure. some organizations track how many calls you make i get that <laughs> but if the industry and this is going to take a whole 
it's going to take several industries, but I think it could start with recruitment. If we start saying, okay, I will give gift one hour a month towards my local youth incentive, wherever that is, Nice. And I will give CV advice or I will do a video that can be scalable. Mm-hmm. Anyone listening today who wants to do a minute video on how to, a young person can get a job in a certain industry, ping it to me. I'll edit it and I'll send it out to our 1.7 million young people. Because if we can start breaking down the barriers and just showing them... like. You type into Google, how do I build my confidence? And there's a course and you go, yes, I want to do this course. You click on it. Oh, it's $200. <laughs> there's a payment gateway. And I understand those businesses is how they operate and make money. And I'm not, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have a payment gateway on there. Yes. They should definitely have a sponsor, the dolphin method where every five people that pay, they give an opportunity to one that can't. Nice, I like that. Because I'm one of those individuals that who couldn't pay for it back in the day. And there's many. We currently have 94,000 young people in our community who've ticked the box that open to work this week. Wow. Hmm. And when they tick that box... And they say, they make the biggest step to come forward and say, I am open to work. That's where it all starts. They're they're putting themselves out there saying, I understand nothing about this industry. I understand nothing about the world of work, but I want to work. And it it always starts, I want to. When When you drive, when you learn to ride a bicycle, you go, I want to learn a bicycle and you put the stabilizers on yep. and then they, those stabilizers come off and you want i want to now go a little bit faster mm-hmm. or i want to learn how to bake a cake <laughs> it all starts with i want to and the actually ambition to do something you have to have the intention and when we've got ninety-four thousand young people with the intention that they want to work it starts to change your mind that actually i year a lot of young, a lot of people, all different ages. I'm, I'm not saying about it's over a certain age or anything. Sure. Uh, and the, and you get young people don't want to work. They're lazy. They're entitled. They they just all want it given to them. Yeah. Look, and I'm not saying that's not true for certain youth because some young people do get it all and. They, they're immersed in this Instagram world where a 16-year-old is getting off a private jet. That's right. Or someone can become an influencer at the age 16 and you can earn millions of dollars in, you know, all sorts of deals. But all sorts of deals. Far between. Yeah, absolutely. And But what they don't see is that influencer put 20,000 posts up before they got their first deal. That's right. 100%. The overnight success. Everybody thinks it's, there's an overnight success, which all we know is not true. you got to do the work. And it's not true. Yeah. So I think that employers need to invest long-term. 
they need to compromise and meet young people in the middle. Mm-hmm. And we have to keep things simple. Don't expect, and I understand business is there to do good, to make money. Yep. Yeah. And some businesses are there just to make money. And that is absolutely fine because you're employing people and they're having livelihoods and this. And I, I get that. Actually, every business that makes money is actually doing good if they employ people and pay them right. 100%. Yeah. I, I, I believe that. But we have to realize that you're never going to get the full roast dinner. You're never going to get the free course meal when it comes to young people. Yeah. Or anybody, actually. Like, I mean, I always... Yeah, like, yeah I agree. I've heard that say said a million different ways by a million different people. You know, and I'm also to blame. You know, I'm a bit of a control freak. I like to do everything myself. I don't like to outsource as much. But, you know, we can't expect other people to do what we want done because they don't have the same invested interest in it and no, that's absolutely fine so as a business owner you have to realize that and accept that and embrace that absolutely and i think don't expect everyone to come into your organization and be like you and be an yeah, entrepreneur 100%. and it like not everyone so not everyone wants to be work seven days a week, create podcasts like you and I do and give back. And they just want to do a job. They want to go home. They want to watch Netflix. And that is absolutely fine. fine. I'd rather them go home and watch Netflix and go and cause some grief somewhere. (laughs) So we have to really understand that people are at a different stage. Another thing that I always talk about is focus on stage, not age. Yeah. With a young person. Yeah, I like it. yeah. Or with, with anyone. And we, tr- we in the industry, especially in the UK, we try and bracket up 18 to 24-year-olds and 25 to 27-year-olds and 30 plus. And whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. An 18-year-old could have the same barrier than a, as a 29-year-old. Hi, guys. Just a quick message. I'm always on the lookout for engineers in the managed services space across Australia. Support engineers, systems engineers, network engineers, and solution consultants. I only work with the best companies that are going places, really value their staff, have great techs, and offer stacks of training and other benefits, up to $1,000 for successful referrals. Who do you know? Feel free to give me a buzz, 0414-659-800. But right now, back to the conversation. Absolutely. The 29-year-old went traveling. They've now... They, they came back home after traveling Europe and they've now been for the first, first five years, they've been looking after an elderly parent. And now it's only now they're starting to understand the world of work and get a job. 100%. And because they're a late boomer in terms of the world of work, it doesn't mean that you bracket them into a certain bracket and you should have this year's experience in A, B, and C. And I think that, I think we make a big mistake in doing that. So when apprenticeships are only open to up to 24 year olds and this, you cut this program saw 18 year olds. I think we have to focus on stage, not age. Love it. Love it. And let's actually take that a bit further. I mean, you know, you've spoken to loads and loads and loads of young people you know, that all want to work and are looking for those opportunities. So what do they want? Let's go to the other 
other side of the coin to really give this information to the employers out there. What do the young people want from their work and from their employer? What are they going to be happy with? What are they dreaming of? Absolutely. So I pause when I say this because everyone is an individual. Sure. And what one group wants is different to what another group wants. But with the data, so we have 1.7 million young people in our community and we have over 25 million insights on our youth. So when you put that all together, what does the average young person want? Well, firstly, they want to know that they're in a stable environment and that you will pay them at the end of the month. Good. That's number one. Will I receive the pay for the organization I'm working for. And a lot of people listen and say, oh, of course, but trust me, it's not as simple. Pay young people on time every time. Yep. The man of businesses, I understand. Pay anyone on time every time. Everyone, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, And pay everyone on time, every time on time. But that amount of businesses that get actually pay people late and even their employees even if it's a day late that can really ruin the household absolutely what what messages are are you sending when you do that yeah what messages are you sending and who do who gives you the right to even do that and i always say my only job is to meet payroll every month yeah i agree for my 155 people and that is all my job is So what I'm getting to here is don't hire a young person if you can't afford or pay them. Yeah, and that yet again goes to anyone, but I'm focusing on the young person. A lot of businesses may say, oh, they're just a young person, work experience. They should just be grateful that I'm letting them in. Well, young people want to know that they're being paid on time. Number two, they want to build this thing called a trust contract. Hmm. So a trust contract is it's not a real contract. It's just, it's a, it's a way of being. You will trust me and I will trust you. Nice. Yeah. And they want, and that trust contract can come in different ways. I understand certain organizations want people to be in the offices. Some don't. Some want you to check in in the morning. Some want you to check in the afternoon. But they want you to understand that there is a trust contract. And because they're young, they won't get extra micromanagement compared to someone else in the organization. So they want to be paid on time and they want a trust contract. And they want a bit of autonomy or they want a bit of... um, Yes, and that goes in... Not even autonomy. It's more about um, self um governance or, or you know yeah self self-worth the ability to to be able to manage their day yeah. the flexibility. responsibility that's what it is it's about responsibility. Responsibility. Yeah. absolutely so pay them on time build that car- trust contract i think that's really important up front for a young person mm. because if you build one trust contract and two weeks later or three months later you put new rules in the word rules yep. starts getting 
cold feet in young people. So set the standard up front, whatever that is. Yeah. yeah? Stick to it. Yeah. Because the young person will be loyal to those trust contracts if they know what they are and you don't keep changing them every two minutes. Yeah. I like that. Very yeah. true. And so you, you find that this happens a lot, does it? People are changing the rules regularly changing the rules and then that confuses a lot of young people are not immersed in terms of change and then they feel like the job they've been lied to what was on the job description is not what actually they're doing and it's over pressure they've just learned one job and then you move them they then feel like you've taken them off that opportunity because they're not good so set the standard up front set the framework have that trust contract and review that trust contract. But in that trust contract, say, we are going to review this every two weeks and two weeks sprints for the next six months. As long as they know that a review is coming up, as long as they know that it could change, they're fine. Perfect. Yeah. Number three, the flexibility and the opportunity to not be mothered or smothered and let them have the freedom to make mistakes. As long as it doesn't cost the business, Mm -hmm. let them learn. Let them learn. Let them learn. Let them learn. And what I mean by that is to let them learn. You need to have a real, real plan. And we call them playing cards. And we say young people are playing their careers out on how it will will work out for them. And what is on the playing card on 30, 60 and 90 days? Yeah. So 30 could be, we're going to really immerse you to understand what LinkedIn is and CRM and how to write an email. Right. Yeah. As yet again, clarity is key. Yeah. So pay them on time. Build the trust contract and have a playing card. So young people understand what they're learning. And and I think that's a really good point. Young people always, when they talk to me, is they want to know that there is a roadmap in place. They want to know that they have a future path. They don't want to just go into work without knowing where it's going to go. So they need motivation. Absolutely. And I think it's really important don't make that roadmap longer than 30, 60, and 90 days because you are actually going to cause a lot of issues if you promise something and you can't deliver on it because business changes. We can all deliver deliver on a learning plan in the period, no matter how big your organization is, in a period of uh, 90 days. Right. Yeah. Anything more than that, the business could completely change. That's right. Uh, and you might not so honor you, your uh, promises. You can't, yeah, you can't sends honor the wrong message. Sends the wrong message. And actually, is this organization right for me? Yeah. How can I trust this? Org- it goes back to the trust contract. Love it. Can Love I it. trust? And then the final one is young people want more than just money. Definitely. They want to know that you're, you care about them. They want to know that they can work for the people who they, they want to be motivated. They want hope. They want to be excited to get up. I call it the duvet flip. What gets you out of bed in the morning to flip yeah. the duvet? Yes. The organization <laughs> needs to help them find their duvet flip. Like Look, it. If it's rainy outside and it's cold and you're laying in bed and you've had a late night, why would you get out of bed if you're not 
got that duvet flip if you're not turning up and go you know i'm going to get a massive smile from my manager and i just love talking to them and yes we've got a job to do and yes this is not kindergarten but what this is it's real people serving a purpose and whatever that purpose is and then i would also say within that purpose always give five to 10% random time so they can learn, especially when you're a small business and a lot of people listening to this, I believe will be small businesses, small recruiters might be some really big ones. And this, this serves all big and small recruiters, by the way, and and, uh, companies is to let young people be curious One thing that I never got involved with, and I wish I did, is how to write an invoice. Right. If, if I could place someone into a job and then follow it through, we had a big credit control team. So it, when I was a recruiter, I didn't really get involved with that. But if I had 5% time where I could learn on the, like, why is my commission not paid on time? Mm. Because the client has not paid on time. Ah, I get it. And if I were to take commission, it means Jenny could not get paid. The uh, basic. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay, cool. I get it. What can I do to help get this client over the line? Love it. Yeah. So I think you have to, you have to give that. And we talk about 360 recruitment, but we don't talk about 360 recruitment business. True. Yep. True, true. So how can you help that young person to understand that cash flow, the the due date of the business? If we don't do any more sales, we've we've only got a six month due date, and that's the run rate of the organization. And there's a PL, and every time you take that client for a coffee and they're not buying or purchasing our service, that is reducing the due date. And I must say, there are quite a few companies out there um, all over the world that are starting to, you know, agree with that philosophy and they're starting to disclose their, you know, open up the books to all their employees so employees can really buy in to this journey and the philosophy. And I think that's a great thing. Absolutely. Because when there's clarity, everyone knows. If you're on the same boat, and only one person, the, only the captain knows that there, there's an hole in the boat and it's sinking. Yeah. The only one who's panicking is the captain. That's right. But if everyone knew, they're going to try and solve the issue and come up with a solution. Agree. So in, in my organization, we list everyone's salary. Wow. We then break that salary down by a daily rate so everyone can see what they're earning on a daily basis. And then we benchmark that daily rate based on their outcome and what they believe they've achieved. And then we have a real honest conversation and say, do you think that your 200 quid today generated 200 quid's worth of value? Nice. 
And it gets people, whether they're entrepreneurial or not, it gets people to start thinking, oh, that's if why I just that's why I'm working. That's why I'm getting paid because I have to provide value. It's not value. just to get paid and go home. Yeah. And that's the mentality that the worker has built over the years and years, and not all of them, but we have to we have to understand that the organization, the entrepreneur, the business owner is investing in bringing you in and paying you. And you're investing in the organization. It, it's a two-way stream. I get oh, that. I agree. But at the end of the day, they say, it's a saying, follow the money mm-hmm. and get, and you'll see the result or you'll see where, where the money leads. Yeah. Yeah. And we've only put this in place the last three months. And we've had a 72% increase in outcomes. Wow. Because everyone knows where they stand. They know the outcome. And when you focus on outcome and not activity and actions and tasks. Yeah, but I did 300 tasks this week. Hmm. Oh, they didn't actually. If you did 300 tasks, you're an idiot. Because, well, one, one, you're very smart because you're not human. I don't know what systems you're using. And two, you're an idiot because that's an activity and an action rather than an outcome. And at the end of the day, business is based on outcome. Yep. If you don't place that person as a job, then they're going to leave. Hence why there is the thing called the rebate. And if that candidate going into that organization that you place doesn't stay for 12 weeks, then the rebate will, you they'll ask for some money back. Yet again, the outcome has not been what it is. But what we can't do, and it's fine, we can't ask a rebate from employees. True. Because true. they've got one standard salary. And whether they drink five cups of tea a day or one, they still get paid the same unless they're on a commission earned and not everyone is. You need the administrators, you need the graphic designers, you need the podcast experts and video people. So it's how do you help people be more entrepreneurial? Not to become entrepreneurs, but just to understand, seek to understand. And I always ask young people in our organization and at the 155 people I have working with me, no one works for me, by the way, they work with me. We have a lot of young people in their first time jobs and we retain them at a great rate. One of the best rates in the country is because we get, we, we tell them to understand and go from having all the answers to all the questions and understand their role in the room. I, I, I get young people to ask and they, it's funny because you say something and then they come back to you and they repeat what you're saying three months later. How much is this meeting costing me? <laughs> so you can go into a meeting and there's five of you in there. If yous all can't clearly define your role in that meeting, then why are you even in the meeting? <laughs> and how much is that meeting costing us? Yeah, I like it. And so I think there's that, that, that final bit to that question is entrepreneurship. 
and helping or ownership is another way another word we could use yes yeah yeah Uh, ownership is a nice word we have to be careful when we say ownership to youth Mm -hmm. because that then blurs the lines between an employee employee's contract and ownership and a b and c and mm-hmm. and because they don't understand yeah. they'll go okay i own this and you're <laughs> like okay calm down we still got outcomes to hit so i think it's being real i think it's showing showing the numbers and i think it's trying to bring young people into your thinking so they they understand it a little bit more so yeah. they can see where you're coming from from I like that. I think I think that's you know very true. It's the young person these days, or the new generation, wants to know how they're playing a role, how they're being, how they're affecting change, how what what are they producing with the work that they do every day? What value are they giving back? They want to know what their role is in that journey, and I think that's a absolutely. But on on that, how many? What's the percentage of young people in your business? So the percentage in the young people in our business will be about 67%. Wow, great. And how that 67%, about 50% will be in their first-time jobs. Wow, amazing. And so you put a lot of emphasis on training, obviously? Lots on training, lots on work awareness. Nice. And how we get young people work aware, modern manners, playing cards and also for career progression how do you go and grow we've had over over the last three years of this organization we've grown quite quick in three years this is this youth group's only been going for three years with 1.7 million youth community which is 17 percent the uk's youth we have over 702 clients partners uh, that we we serve and we work with so corporate partners we have 155 people and we put over 90,000 young people in work and we have we have 13,000 mentors that volunteer across the country oh and we've built the organization to a multi-million pound organization I don't take a salary because this is my purpose. I get paid to public speak and stuff and do other stuff, even though this is my full-time gig. Um, we've had some rapid growth, and with rapid growth comes a lot of blurred lines and a lot of working it out as we go. And but young people have been brilliantly. A lot of our young people use this as a, as a stone to the next sure. level. And the last two young people that are left us, because yet again, I, I take an interest once they leave, where do they go? Do they need help? Do they still need mentoring? I think that's really important as well, because if they go, if they're coming here and they're leaving on good terms and everyone should be leaving on good terms because they're your future ambassadors. Yes. If they go and learn something somewhere else, then you should help them and stay in contact with them because they'll come back stronger. So the last two, last two people that are left, one's gone and worked for TikTok, oh, wow. and the other, and the other one, my assistant who was with me for four years, has decided to set up their own business. Right. And I'm the first client in their business, <laughs> which is awesome. really cool because you have to, you have to be real. It can't be camera moments it has to be behind the scenes real stuff backing people real people and he's on his adventure now yeah do i think do i think he's ready 
who knows but i'm not gonna stop that individual for going and living their dreams and learning and maybe i've always said and this individual's a very dear smart loyal young person and he came to me at 16 he's now 20 he wants to start his business and i've said you might just learn a different side of the world of work and business and you might appreciate it i said if it doesn't work out you've always got your job here so i think that's where i think don't i've seen a lot of cultures where not my not my problem anymore not my solution once they're out the door they ask them to leave all they care about is the young person or the employee the ex-employee leaving a good glass door review and then that's it but actually you need to immerse yourself in terms of that's your ambassadorship that person might go on to become a client or come back to you so i always think if someone wants so many other people to come and work for you or work with you yeah absolutely and i think that's where we make a say mistake in recruitment as well in terms of how do you nurture and look after those who've come and gone yeah very good point yeah and let's i just want to give the audience a little bit more insight into exactly what the youth group does and then with that i want to talk a little bit more about you know what we were saying before in terms of how you actually train motivate um you know what is a day-to-day look like for your staff but let's maybe give us some insight into what the youth group does first so the youth group we help young people get ready into and grow at work so we have a large community one thing that the uk youth scene struggle with and corporate struggle with is engaging youth right at speed we can connect young people to meaningful opportunities Hmm. so that's what we do we help organizations attract engage both on the their job opportunities but also their programs their brands so think of us as a marketing recruitment training group all put merged together with a huge community of young people who all have different ambitions in life so we immerse ourselves on you first so we're a you first organization the average age in our organization is 21 of the, the the young people that work with me so that's what we do we've got a great approval rating at the moment but today's news is tomorrow's chip paper and <laughs> i'm a big believer that you have to keep reinventing yourself yeah. and my job is to make sure i hit payroll every month my job is to make sure that we extend our due date in terms of what we do and we're in a really good financial position we have no external investors it's all been bootstrapped from yeah. one partner to over 700 partners who all pay a monthly description to access what we're doing, which is really solid and good. There's always challenges in business. As you know, young people don't turn up sometimes (laughs) uh, and you have to work with them. Uh, But I believe what we're doing is on the right direction of making a small dent in what needs to be done with over 28 billion 
lost each year due to youth unemployment into UK alone. So no one sees it as a commercial industry. Mm -hmm. It's actually very commercial, but there needs to be the right governance, the right structure and the right formula. And we have the formula to put a young person into work with 24 hours intervention. Amazing. And so in terms of, I get the training and the getting them work aware and work ready, great. In terms of the actual recruitment or placement, is that done as a traditional recruitment model or is that more like a, a database of people that someone can go and actually access to find potential talent? So how it works is a hybrid of both. So we create challenges based on what the company is currently facing. So it might be, look, you might have a big company and they're really good at hiring young people who are graduates from a certain background, Mm -hmm. but they might be really bad at getting young females into their tech department. So what we'll do, that's the challenge they have. They want more females in their tech part department so they can grow their tech department. So that's a challenge. So we focus it on challenge and we focus, it, we focus it on flips. So the challenge is what the company face and the flip is what the young person, so you do they flip, what gets you out of bed. So we will then go and target, because yet again, we know what young people are interested in, who are those young females who are looking for work, who's got a bit of experience. We will target those young people in our system and we will be able to put at least 10 to 15 young people towards that opportunity within 24 hours of intervention with that young person. So that's what we do. And the young then the company will go onto our dashboard, onto the dashboard that we give them and they will see the young person. But what we've done before all that, in the background, we're in the kitchen, helping them build their CVs, do their video showcases, become work aware, understand if they can get to the interview and the traveling and the cost and money management, all in the background, whether they're, uh, if that, whether that opportunity is there or not. So the organization is split into three. One, it's around the youth team focusing how do we build the confidence, build the work awareness, modern manners, do they flip to youth? Yep. And that's happening every day. And then on this side, we have the enterprise and the company side where we take a challenge and we normally say, give us your hardest challenge because we've got enough youth to do that. So we don't want your we don't want your low hanging fruit stuff. Mm-hmm. You've got covered. Let's get let's get the meaningful stuff, and they will pay a, a monthly fee to access a challenge. And we say one challenge, one month, and you can have twelve challenges over the period of twelve months. And challenge one could be we need to hire fifteen young people, right. and whether they hire fifteen young people, one young people, it's one monthly fee. One month, and then you they can access that dashboard Unlimited. for the whole month, and you the whole, will, for the whole month, and you will continue change. to provide quality talent for that challenge. Yes. Right. So if they've got twenty young people that they want to hire, they'll pay a small monthly fee, mm-hmm. 
and they'll be able to hire 20. If they only had five roles, but they see 15 candidates, they can take all 15 on. They might have, it might not even be, it might be a stage before hiring. It might be a careers affair or a webinar that they want young people to turn up to. Wow. Okay. Amazing. Love it. Or that, you know what? A company might say, we really need to give back. And we want to give one hour's worth of mentoring to all our recruiters are going to do one hour's worth of mentoring and help a young person with a CV. Oh, where do we find the young people? Oh, we put a CV challenge with the youth group. And then they all our 50 to 100 to 200 recruiters will get booked in and paired with a young person to show them how to do a CV. Wow. And it's one challenge at a time to overcome the organizations. So when you add that up, there's over 700 and 704 plus challenges happening a month with organizations. Gotcha. And you guys, or the youth group is continually um, marketing and accessing quality young people to put on their database in a way, in building their network. Yes. And no. No, right. Also depends. It could be ad hoc as well. Yeah. So the, the reason why I say are we are we marketing? Yes, we own over 200 Facebook groups with about 7,000 young people in each one, which are micro communities. So every day 70 pieces of content are going into each group and they're self-managed by young people. Two, no, because we've got 94,000 young people who are looking for work. Right. And it would not be fair had more young people to the cluster when we've not served served those young people first so it's it's a supply you can open a sweet shop yep but if you've got no sweets on the shelf young people will not come in yeah so the focus and yet again every business has its challenges is 704 challenges a month which may create about a thousand opportunities or five thousand opportunities based on what the company needs is not enough. Wow. So we've got the other problem. We've got the youth. Yep. We need we need ten thousand we need ten thousand challenges a day yeah. coming in. And we can actually deliver on that through the systems and the youth we've got. But yet again, as you know, as a business leader, things stall by procurement, onboarding. Every client wants to speak to a human and get an account manager. They want to be special treated, which is fine because they're paying money to do that. And that's fine. So we're in a, we're at the crossroads at the moment on how do we scale from over 700 partners to 7,000 partners. And that's the journey I am. So if anyone's got any advice, yet again, go from having all the answers to all the questions, then I would love to hear from them. So in other words, your your challenge is how do we marry technology with the human aspect and scale? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And so tell us more, Jack, about how, you know, your philosophy and how you actually go about day to day training motivating inspiring your own stuff so we start by transparency i think transparency motivates people as soon as you're transparent all the 
doubts and questions and oh who's that what's going on there just goes away yeah it half look every business has politics in some shape or form of course the more people yeah. you have the more politics you have absolutely it's just life yeah and there's no magic wand yeah you get i call them mucky ducks <laughs> if you get a mucky duck in your bath <laughs> and all the ducks in the bath are not mucky then what's going to happen well that mucky duck is going to mucky the water and then all the ducks are mucky so it's really important that you really really understand do you have a mucky duck <laughs> in your business yeah. and you can do two things with that mucky duck one you can work with them to try and change sometimes that's hard yeah. or two you just remove the mucky duck from the bath and as ruthless and focused as it stands we have to protect the well-being and the happiness of all the other ducks in the bath. <laughs> I love it. What a great analogy. <laughs> so making sure my, I make sure every week I ask myself the same question. Who's the mucky duck this week? And if I can't see one, then I ask myself, am I the mucky duck this week? <laughs> nice. And then you really understand, oh, actually, I am the mucky duck this week. I didn't give this person much attention. I'm just going to check in. Yeah. Nice. I forgot to follow up on that particular expectation yeah. or promise that I made yeah. three months ago or six months ago or nine months ago. Absolutely. Yep. So if you haven't got a mucky duck in your business, you, you, are, you are it, <laughs> uh, even if you're the founder. Yeah? I and I think it, and that's where you have to be authentic. I think that's where ego has to be stripped yeah, no ego just heroes i say yeah um and we, we focus all our time on problems we should be positive about the future and what we can become and together we can overcome it um then i always have secondly to motivate my team we do we do lucky dips so i randomly will have members of our team come behind the, behind the set at my home on Duvet Flip on my podcast because it's in person. <laughs> it's real high net worth, high individuals, big business CEOs, and they get inspired to come and spend the day with me in terms of behind the scenes and, oh. and, and stuff. So that's really good. And I will randomly invite people to meetings and they'll go, okay, what is my role in this meeting? I go, well, I want you to come to this meeting because this person's doing A, B, and C. Yeah, but you've, I know that's not my role. And I'm like, I know it's not your role. Hence why I want you to come because you might be able to see something that I don't see. Yeah, right. So it's, I think it's all about don't be in your Eiffel Tower. And then your key, and I have, I have a few key leaders that, are plotted in each function that are loyal, that are good, they breed kindness. And yet again, I ask them, are you the mucky duck this week in your team? <laughs> but I also say to them, I'm building a castle, but next to my castle, 
is your castle. And how you operate your castle, it's up to you. Yeah. As long as your castle does not jeopardize the other castles. Because all the castles together will not get defeated and, and be teared down by the external. Yeah. And it's our job to break inside the castles so no one does it externally. I like that. It's so true. As they say, um, put yourself out of business first. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I don't get it why... And not all leaders, yet again, there's some really cool people out there, is I don't get it why leaders build their castle and let everyone else live in sh shuttles or caravans outside the castle. Don't do that. Yeah, I agree. Don't do that at all. There's enough so for everybody. There is. There, there's so much opportunity. There's, there's I, I, I pause this very carefully because we're having a living crisis here in the UK at the moment in terms of cost of living. And, and a lot of people are really struggling with paying their rent or paying their energy bills and the government are not helping yep. and they need to reshape a lot of stuff even though I work very closely with government, I think they do some really good things. I think they also are really, really stupid on other stuff and they really need to get a bit of community sense. And uh, uh, really, I, I say you can't be on the top floor if you don't understand the shop floor. Yeah, true. How can you, how can, if you run a restaurant, the person who's upstairs how can they really understand if people are buying the, the chicken salad if they're not on the shop floor asking, did you like that chicken salad? Sure. Just doesn't make sense. So for any leader, make sure you're on the, on the shop floor. And how do that relate back into recruitment? Well, listen into calls. Take a candidate call. Speak to young people. I try and speak to young people, at least two young people a day, nice. who have come to us onto our program uh, and I want some support just so I can understand. And I, I listen to calls from team and, and I think you have to immerse yourself on what your customer wants and needs. Love it. Otherwise you just, you, you'll just be in your castle. You have loads of mucky ducks everywhere. The bath will be full of mucky ducks and you just will not understand anything. Sure. I mean, and you'll, you'll, you know, your whole business will change in, you won't even be relevant in a very short period of time. You know, if you don't get down on the floor, on the ground floor, you won't even know what to do. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. Absolutely. Well done. And so, Jack, in terms of how people can find you and, and work with the, the um, youth group or find out more about your podcast or more about anything else that you're doing, let us, let us know a bit about that. Yeah, and look... <sighs> I love when I get asked this question and I always flip it. This is not about me. Don't spend 20 minutes searching me or looking into me. Put a LinkedIn status out and say, what young person needs a mentor session? Follow a young person on LinkedIn. Follow a young person. Don't follow me. Go and follow one young person and help them because young people need help right now. 
and don't waste the time. I, I've got, I've, I'm fine. And I've got the support of young people and I've got an organization. I'm not worrying about money. Don't invest your energy and time in following me, follow a young person and help them. That is the best thing you could do. Outstanding. I love it. What a great message and what a great idea. I think that's a really, really good, important thing to do. Well, Jack, it's been an absolute pleasure. Man, you've really covered a lot of ground. I know you've given us a great insight into your story, your history, your own journey, why you're so passionate about what you do, what makes you tick, a little bit more about how your business runs and about how your industry works. And I think it's just been incredibly insightful, um, valuable, and given us a lot of positive messages for young people in particular, and some of the older, uh, us older people, and people that might be employers to really understand the landscape um, of how to work in this new dynamic, because I think it's going to continue to change. And you have to understand what motivates young people these days. So thank you. And I just want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to come and speak to you. And when you come to London, a, a, a big English breakfast tea is waiting. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Absolutely can't wait. But uh, Jack, it's been an absolute pleasure. Everybody, as Jack says, go and find yourself a young person to mentor, you know, give back. And I think what a great message. And um, just wanted to say thank you again, Jack. It's been an absolute pleasure. Anything you want to leave us with? No, I just think everyone be happy. And uh, remember that you're on your own journeys, stage, not age. Love it. Beautiful. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Fantastic conversation. Thank you again, Jack. And we'll be back very, very soon for another episode of Soul Searching, the Soul Recruitment Podcast. Bye for now. Thanks again for joining me for another episode of Soul Searching, the Soul Recruitment Podcast. If you'd like to join me as a guest on the show, I would be delighted to collaborate. Feel free to buzz me on 0414-659-800 or email me on darren at saulrecruitment.com.au. I'm always on the lookout for great guests who can share their stories and expertise with my community. But for now though, have a fantastic day and I'll see you next time.